Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Crossroads of Destiny, an Avatar The Last Airbender universe podcast. Right now, we're talking about every episode of Nickelodeon's Avatar The Last Airbender one at a time. I'm Chad Hopkins, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Andrew and Melanie Grant. Hello. How's it going, guys? Hi, guys. <laughs> we don't remember how to do this. No. It's only been three months. So happy Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. Yeah, and well, the simplest explanation... <laughs> is baby baby <laughs> which born which all of you knew were coming yep. was coming we we talked about it we mm-hmm. we you knew that melanie was great with child <laughs> i can cut that yeah because it almost sounds like vast with child <laughs> <laughs> that's what they say about mary in the bible all the time anyways yeah there's yeah. a new member of the family yes congrats thank you mr jonathan daniel grant made his appearance on november 14th and he's precious he's beautiful and so we're really fortunate to have him and that's the simplest explanation of where we've been exactly. all this time and so we're, we're eager hopefully there will be more to follow fairly quickly right after because we're hoping to get yeah, back into a regular uh, run of things absolutely but has anything else been going on with you guys not really i've been uh Back to work, because we have mm-hmm. almost a three-month-old now, so yeah. we've been back to work for about a month. And I've still been working from home with two little ones. Yeah, and then uh, James is about to be two in March, so we've been busy, busy, busy. Yep, that is crazy. Yeah, I have not had a whole lot necessarily going on either, just celebrating the holidays that we've already mentioned, and mm-hmm. I've gotten my fair share of uh, Avatar merchandise. I've gotten the the two kiyoshi books so far i haven't read them but i'm excited to delve in and i got a music box that says avatar on it but it doesn't play the avatar music but that's a different story (laughs) and james got something oh yeah yeah. awesome from his uncle and godfather i did give my godson james a stuffed momo and a stuffed appa both precious so (laughs) he likes appa a little bit better i think he likes his little creepy toes yeah (laughs) a lot and, and he like he'll hold Momo, but I think it's up is a little more cuddly for him. So mm-hmm. it's it's Operation Infiltrate My Godson with the things that I love. <laughs> because his first Christmas I gave him the toothless stuffed oh, yeah. pillow pet. Yeah. Which he sleeps with. And currently. also a Back to the Future book. Yes. Which is a little more advanced for him. Yeah. It, yes. it, it, he, one he day he'll grow into as it. Well. Yeah. He, he will sit through at least four pages. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's just like, okay, I'm over this. And then this year I got him Appa and Momo, and I also got him The Office yeah. uh, children's book. So I'm just like <laughs> oh, yeah, giving him all did, the things. Didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> so we, we appreciate it as yeah. his adult parents who love all these things. Yes. Well, we are not going to uh, diddle-daddle any longer because it's been long enough. And uh, this is a meaty episode. There's, there's a lot Let's going on here to, Let's do it. to defeat the Huns. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we are talking about book one, chapter 12, which is titled The Storm. Debate up whether this was a metaphorical or a literal storm based on Melanie's predictions from the last time we talked. Didn't I say both? I don't recall. No, you, said, you said literal storm. You said it was going to be a real storm. Hot dog. But you were right. And and it was. Yeah. But. There was also a metaphorical one, which we'll okay. talk about. Yeah. So not two right. legitimate storms, sure. but also some metaphorical storms. Okay. okay, okay. We don't have to keep talking about how I was not all 100% correct. Okay. So this was directed by Lauren McMullen, uh, written by Aaron Ehas. It aired on June 3rd of 2005 and was animated by JM Animation. Summary for this episode, Aang has been having nightmares due to resurfacing feelings of shame over leaving his people and the world for 100 years. And we get a further glimpse into why. 
Likewise, we learn more about Prince Zuko, why he was banished, how he got his scar, and why he is the way he is. So, is that literally what it says? Why he is the way he is? That's what I wrote. Oh, okay. <laughs> why? I thought you were reading like what Netflix wrote. Oh. As the, that's the plot no, I, summary. I, these are self curated. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that would have been hysterical. Netflix, no chill. Okay. <laughs> okay. Why yeah. are you the way that you are? Yeah. Side note: I think that would be a really fun job to do. To yeah. write the description. Summary writer. Yeah, yeah. I think. I don't know fun. how one would come about doing that, but I always thought that would be cool. Anyway. Anyways. Side, side things. So just a couple fun tidbits before we dive into the the hefty parts of this episode episode there are three big voice actors that make an appearance in this episode that you may not have known one is robert pine who played the fisherman and that is chris's dad chris pine's father oh yeah so there was that there was james hong he was credited as the dower monk and he's been known from blade runner big trouble in little china and he was also chifu in mulan and poe's dad in kung fu panda Panda, Yeah. yeah and then possibly the biggest voice Mark it. Hamill mm-hmm. is Lord Fire Lord Ozai. Nice. He makes his first appearance in The oh, Voice. Yeah. 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 Okay. What, what was the one you were thinking? I thought it was going to be Lucius Malfoy's. What's Zhao. his name? Admiral Zhao. Zhao. Yeah. Who, didn't he appear in the beginning? Uh, like, no, he didn't. Appear, well, we saw him, okay. but he didn't speak in this one. JK, JK. But. Right. We knew his voice from a different episode. Yeah. So. Those three big voices, especially Mark Hamill. I mean, Mark, we all know as Luke Skywalker, but mm-hmm. he, he made a name for himself as the Joker and has done tons of voice acting credits since. And this is a great one of his. And yeah. there's still lots more to come from him as mm-hmm. we get to see more of Fire Lord Ozai. I enjoy how he likes to play villains. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he's, he's really good at it. He's very good at it. Mm-hmm. Now, were there any other like fun tidbits or just things you wanted to point out before we do get into the, the weightier things? I thought it was really amusing that they they docked Appa like mm-hmm. <laughs> like he was a there ship. Was a, there was a bunch of ship fishing boats, and Appa was just like on the pier floating yeah. in the water, and I was just like, okay, I get, yeah, sure, why not? I thought that was really amusing. And something that I pointed out when we were watching earlier is at the very beginning of the episode when Ang wakes up from his nightmare, Momo is laying with Ang, and he purposely jumps from Ang to Katara to Sokka on top of all of them. Like I, I have to wake up everybody at once. Everybody needs to know. It's it's very my cat in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. Now just little fun moments like that. Yeah, and we can point out some of those as we go. I certainly know yeah. that I have my notes that that some of those pop up in. But uh, we start off, and Ang is having nightmares. Sokka's first question is, what happened? Did we get captured again? <laughs> <laughs> like and, it's a norm? <laughs> yeah, it, it, just, the usual. Oh Another God. day in the life of the gang. Team Avatar. Yeah. Zuko is ignoring Iroh's advice to head away from the storm. Now, there is no confirmation of a storm yet. It's just one of those old man feelings. The, the fisherman's wife has one of those same feelings that we meet in a few minutes. But Zuko argues that finding the Avatar is more important than any individual safety. Now, to be fair, he, he would include himself True. in that as well. True. But it is a bold statement. He, he walks over to the... And stares the crewmate is in it the a lieutenant, I think. he says it, yeah. Yeah, he, he just says, this is my opinion. Look at me in the eye. This is my thought. Did I stutter? And, yeah, exactly. Did I stutter? And Iroh does defend Zuko to the crewman. He says, oh, he's just worked up. He didn't mean that. Well, he, of course, he meant at least part of it. Mm-hmm. And the storm ends up being real. Mm-hmm. And the lieutenant confronts Zuko 
And Zuko says, you better learn some respect or I will teach it to you. And that, that, that just brings up this heated argument. What do you know of respect? Seeing the way you treat me, the way you treat these other crewmates, what do you know of respect? And we almost jump into an Agni Kai right off the bat. Mm-hmm. But Igro does break up the fight. He does stop the lieutenant. Per use. Yeah. And the lieutenant's final words are calling Zuko a spoiled prince and <laughs> saying, you don't care about anyone but yourself. Do we have any thoughts on that right there? I mean, up to that point, do we have any reason to suspect that that might not be true, that Zuko doesn't care about anyone but himself? I think just because of how much Iroh defends him, I don't think he could be categorized as a person that will just defend anybody without any merit. Like, he does it for a reason, because he's a good judge of character, I would say. So just before the fact that he... Who's defending? Iroh Iroh is is defending Zuko. Okay. So you're saying that that adds that adds validity. That to adds the validity. Fact. I mean, otherwise, I don't know. I don't. I think he's like a man of honor and wouldn't put his his trust into just anybody. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a level of veneration mm-hmm. for Uncle Iroh that we have gotten over these ten, eleven episodes with him so far, and so even the lieutenant says your distinguished uncle or something along mm-hmm. those lines. He, right. So they he, respect there's a, him. There's an ad- mm-hmm. adjective in there that says that mm-hmm. you should be showing more honor to your, even to your uncle mm-hmm. and not, you know, but you're not, you're, you don't right. show respect to anyone. I was going to say, I do find it weird that he calls him a spoiled prince, even though I felt it kind of obvious that he's a banished prince. True, but he is still traveling around with his uncle, who isn't banished, that we know of. And he does have a crew, and he does have a ship, even if it is a scrawny one. Right. So, I mean, there's still a level of respect afforded to him Mm -hmm. because of his birth. Banished or not. Okay. And he hasn't been banished for that long. And he's in charge. Right. I mean, he's running the ship. I I mean, I I understand all that. It just seemed like, it's like, you were assigned to the ship to this prince you should kind of know the situation a little bit more mm-hmm. i mean obviously we learn a lot about the situation as a whole this mm-hmm. episode but i just kind of felt like as a crew member at all i mean even at, at his level he should have known that something else was going on with prince Zuko. that he right. wasn't just at least not necessarily in good standing so how do we want to tackle this? Do we want to just follow all of Zuko's storyline first and then do all of Aang's? I, I think that's, that that's a good idea. Best, or else we're just going to be back and forth. It's going to be back and forth and it's like confusing. And- okay, so at this point, Iroh does sense the unrest with the crew mm-hmm. and he, he sort of comes almost as a peace offering. Like, let me give you some information. Let me give you some insight onto why he is the way he is. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, I mean, he comes down in the middle of them like, dogging on zuko and he doesn't act on it Mm either he's like no no i get it he's he's kind of being a tool yeah he's tough to be with i get it yeah let me join you let me talk to you it like you know let's let's ignore the fact that y'all are just sitting in the dark hating on your captain right now (laughs) like let's (laughs) let's ignore that fact right yeah let me just let me just sneak in here and let's actually talk about what's what's happening so we jump into a flashback as <gasps> Uncle begins to light things up. And the very first thing, we see Zuko without his scar. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's so handsome. And so, I mean, right away, we can make some guesses as to what we're about to see. Like, without Uncle saying, let me tell you how he got his scar. Right. We can make guesses because this is our first time seeing Zuko without his scar. And my thought was, Uncle 
feels guilty because who let Zuko into this war meeting? Uncle Iroh did. Mm-hmm. And despite the warning, he said, oh, it wasn't even a warning. It was like, oh, these are boring. You don't want to. He tries to make it sound as uninteresting as possible. Maybe he knows about Zuko's warm heart that we see in this episode. Maybe he sees maybe Zuko's strong-headed or something. And so he, he's trying to let him down without just saying, no, you can't come in. But Zuko makes a good point. If I'm going to be the Fire Lord one day, then I need to know how to carry myself in these kind of meetings. And that's a second, I think that's a reveal. Did we know before this? Yes, Zuko was the prince, but did we know that he was like next in yeah, line like to be Fire Lord? Heir. No, I don't think so. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a huge reveal too, because that, that lends even more weight to the fact that he's banished. Like they banished the next in line. That's insane. I will say that it is important to note at this point that there is a relevant juxtaposition with Aang's story that's happened just before this as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm just now kind of piecing this together mm-hmm. is that you have Prince Zuko who is literally forcing himself into more responsibilities and wanting to take on of a, of a bigger role and wanting to have this kind of power. And then you have Aang who is given these responsibilities and this power and they have very different emotions toward it mm-hmm. and reactions toward it. Right. We'll stick with Zuko, obviously, right now. <laughs> yeah. But I think that that's important to note that you see Zuko's literally forcing his way into and taking as much responsibility as he possibly can. And even though he's young and he's the heir apparent, he also has way too much kind of, he has too much fire in him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that was You're painful. Wel- You're welcome. Um, <laughs> In the sense that even though he's supposed to be just kind of this fly on the wall, let, let's show you what happens in yeah. these meetings. He forces himself into the conversation as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very interesting to see that he's such a young kid is so willing to jump in and take on all of these responsibilities mm-hmm. and how it kind of backfires. Yeah, the, the structure of this episode is very intentional with how they do pair these stories side by side Mm -hmm. there's even some shots where we are zoomed in on ang and katara in the cave around the campfire and then it switches to the view on the ship with uncle around the the barrel with the the crewmates and so it's like a back and forth this is an intentionally linked story Mm -hmm. and so i'm glad you pointed that out zuko does speak up because the fire nation was planning on sacrificing new recruits in order to mount a surprise attack from behind and uncle is quick to point out zuko was right of course he was but it wasn't his turn to, to yeah, speak that's, out it's not a great and strategy. so his father says okay agni kai you gotta you gotta deal with this you you disrespected and so that's the the result and so zuko looks at the the, the general that he just disrespected and is like okay i will i will fight for my honor i will stand up for what i believe is right but it's not the general that he has to fight and it's the fire lord it's the fire lord and that can you imagine can you imagine turning around prepared to like show off to the best of your ability on this old dude who was about to sacrifice some new kids in the war and it's your father i mean that's just weird 
Mm-hmm. It's just so disrespectful. And not just your fa- your father. It is also the Fire Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's extra stuff on top of that, layers on layers. And he's and, Fire Lord for a reason. Like, yeah, he has all these abilities. And so Zuko then balks. He mm-hmm. says, I, I, I can't fight you. I'm not going to fight you. You're my dad. I'm sorry. I apologize. So no longer is he like trying to like stand up for himself. He's saying, please, please yeah. have mercy. I, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Don't make me fight you. And as he's sitting there, tears streaming down his face, his father, Ozai, says, you will fight for your honor. And he says, you will learn respect and suffering will be your teacher. And at this point, there's a very important shot for a reason that I don't want to spoil yet. True. When Iroh says, I couldn't look, and I turned my face away, there are two people in that shot who very eagerly do not turn away. One is Admiral Zhao, and one is somebody we don't know of the female persuasion. I'm trying to avoid just like summing up everything, but is there anything that we want to interject at this point? This is obviously what Iroh's intention was to show the fact that what everybody in the crew knows Zuko to be is a hard, unfeeling, angry little little guy. And he's just trying to show the other side of him. Like, no, this is this is why he is the way he is. Mm-hmm. He before had heart and he still has it. He's just better at masking it. Because he was punished for it. Because he was punished for it. So it's not as easy for him to be able to show that anymore. I'm sure it's frustrating for him, but if anything, I when I think of Zuko in this episode, I think of growth. Mm-hmm. He's had, I think, him and Aang obviously both did, but he had so much. Like we haven't even gotten to this part with Zuko yet, but the fact that at the end of the situation where they get into the eye of the storm, there was a very important moment there where he could have told them to keep going onward towards getting Aang and capturing him, and he would have been able to restore his honor at that point. Mm-hmm quote-unquote restores honor that's what at least what he's thinking it's going to do and at that point the crew he had won over and they would have allowed him to pursue the avatar and they would have helped him because at that point he had saved the the helmsman from falling off the tower right and so when when ang flies by on appa the the lieutenant who had given zuko so much grief earlier in the episode uh, says okay what do we want what are we doing like there's the avatar what what do you want mm-hmm. and zuko yeah. says nope stand down let's get to safety i mean if that's not character growth i yeah, don't know 100%, what is 100 percent. I mean, that's so crazy and like in the fact that he felt remorse for his earlier words that he said like oh the crew doesn't matter mm-hmm. he went back and he he owned up to it and said sorry to his uncle and mm-hmm. his uncle forgave him and i think that's what the huge division was in the situations when he apologized to his father the man who helped create him his father had no mercy on him whatsoever mm-hmm. and then his, his uncle had not obviously the same situation but had a situation where he had to apologize to him and his uncle didn't even skip a beat to accept his apology mm-hmm. and how drastically different those situations were mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and on top of that, I was going to say from the other side, you see a huge difference between the paternal qualities of his uncle compared to those of his actual biological yeah, father. Mm-hmm. That's right. That someone is, someone is there on his side, someone is there to protect him, and that person is not his father. Right. And in fact, uncle couldn't even watch it happen, let alone be the reason for it. 
like he looked away and as as we've seen in any other situation uncle stops these fights Mm -hmm. but he couldn't he couldn't at that point but i kind of feel like we can take from that moment that that was a huge turning point but not only for zuko but for iroh Mm. that when we have these battles when Zuko gets too hot-headed because he's trying to be that, you know, force to be reckoned with, always fighting for his honor. Iroh is the one who steps in to make sure that he doesn't get hurt again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's an important thing to point out that he stopped multiple battles thus far because he couldn't stop that one. Mm-hmm. The yeah. same reason Zuko is causing so much angst and causing so many battles is because he didn't want to fight. Right. And was severely punished for it. So both of them have now had to like kind of been the same moment has forced them onto different paths. Mm-hmm. One of making sure that Zuko is safe and the other is making sure that I'm going to and Zuko is fighting for his honor. Mm-hmm. And now looking back on the previous episodes we can see why that is such a big deal for Uncle Iroh's role in Zuko's life and why Zuko is literally flying off the handle every second he gets right i really like that it it also lends to the whole former dragon of the west nickname that uncle iroh had fallen from grace or whatever it's because war isn't his priority the fire nation doesn't seem to be uncle's priority anymore Mm -mm. it's zuko it's his nephew so i really like that now i just wanted to to point out a couple more quick moments after the story the lieutenant is sympathetic and he says Oh, so that's why he's obsessed with searching for the Avatar, because it's the only chance he has of things returning to normal. And Uncle says, things will never be normal. But searching for the Avatar gives Zuko hope. And specifically, he says, the Avatar gives Zuko hope. So the searching for the Avatar, those were my notes. That's not what Uncle says. Uncle says, the Avatar gives Zuko hope. And I don't think that has any greater meaning at this point in the story. But I do think it's a really interesting choice of phrase rather than searching for the avatar. Or capturing the avatar. Yeah. Okay. So I I wanted to point that out. We get a super badass moment with uncle where he redirects lightning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he was super surprised that he even did it. (laughs) He gets fringed a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. That that was, that was really cool. We still have yet to see him truly fight with fire powers. I know. And so it's coming. I feel sometime, it. Sometime, mm-hmm. yes. I feel it in my toes. It's happening. And then one more Zuko moment, and it's just a shot. It's not something we really need to talk about. But we see sort of like flashbacks that are Zuko's flashbacks this time, not Uncle's story flashbacks, where we see it looks like Zuko playing with maybe a sister or a sibling or something, and then him standing at the side of his father looking happy, and all of a sudden the light changes and the scarred face is back. The lines and the darkness on his face are back. And we just see how heavy the situation weighs on Zuko and how changed he is from that happy little boy we saw in those flashbacks. It's hard to like remember. I remember that specific scene too when you brought it up. It's hard to remember that he is only, what, 16 mm-hmm. at this point? And Homeboy doesn't look 16. He, no. he looks so weathered and so worn out. And like you said, heavy with all of this like burden that he's putting on himself, responsibility and turmoil. I mean, it just goes to show how situations can really weigh heavily on a person like that. Absolutely. So now Aang, Aang's story. Let's see, where to start with Aang? So 
His nightmare. His nightmare. And it's because of the, the notion that he abandoned people. Yeah. This wasn't necessarily an accident. It was an accident. But it was in the process of fleeing and abandoning his responsibility as the avatar. Because he, cause he wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. The intention was not to leave for right. a century. Right. He, but he was doing the thing that everyone thought he was doing. He just did it for mm-hmm. much longer. Right. And they come across the fisherman and he calls him out on Straight it. Straight up. Yeah. He says, oh, you're, you're the avatar. Airbender tattoos? You left us, right? Like a hundred years ago? Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> also, how old is that guy? Uh, I don't think he was around I was like, oh, when Aang left. I think it's just like, this is a generational thing. Obviously like, old enough to remember a time when there should have been an avatar right, helping. Right. I guess he just, that's all he's ever known. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no avatar. Mm-hmm. And Katara does defend Aang from the, the fisherman. Uh, says, Aang's the bravest person I know. Oh, I know. He's done nothing but help people. Yeah, and Aang slowly backing like, away. Sinking and into he the, flies away. Yeah, yeah, the bushes. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. flees again. <laughs> he flees again. And, yeah. and running from his fear of abandoning people, he kind of abandons, abandons the situation. The situation yeah. And so we do get a flashback from Aang at this point as well, after Katara has chased after him and they seek refuge in a cave from the storm. And we see that Aang was the only... This is our first time seeing other airbenders, yep. by the way, kids, at least. Little and Aang's the only kid with airbender tattoos. I did notice that. Mm-hmm. They were all bald, but he's the mm-hmm. only one with the arrows. The arrows means he's a master. He's the only kid who is a master. Hmm. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's what that means, if, if my, my lore is correct. So he was clearly the best of them, even before he was told he was the Avatar. Gotcha. And I think there's extra like supplemental material that we'll get through eventually that does have that kind of information in it. We did get the confirmation. We'd speculated before that Aang was initially told that he was the avatar early because of the notion that something was on the horizon, yeah. a metaphorical storm. Yes. Ah. The, 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 the coming storm. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> we get more of Gyatso as a father figure here mm-hmm. who's trying to preserve Aang's childhood as much as he can. We see how things change among his friends. Once Aang is told that he's the avatar, like, well, it's not fair anymore because you're the avatar. He's like, well, I'm still the same. Like nothing literally actually changed, but Oh, it's, you're the avatar. So it's, it's the only thing that's fair. Trying to protect him from taking on too many responsibilities at such a young age. Yeah. <laughs> yep. There's, there's a mirror there for sure. <laughs> what do you what do you hinting? i wrote it the same thing oh okay. i was like what the hell are you talking <laughs> yeah. about baby? i wrote i wrote got him out of the thing because okay, I, I, I got you i got you and so this time the the instigating thing that makes ing run away is that gyatso is too affectionate he is trying too hard to preserve ing's childhood at a time when they can't afford for ing to preserve his childhood and so they say okay we're going to send ing to the other air temple he's going to be away from you He's going to maintain his training there, and we're going to stand, hopefully, a fighting chance against the Fire Nation that's coming. And Aang hears the conversation and runs away. I don't know what they thought was going to happen with yeah. that. He's a kid. He's just going to do what kids do. Like, I don't know. That's so much pressure. Mm-hmm. If I were, I mean, I would have been absolutely terrified. I know this is a cartoon. But at the same time, it was just like, well, how did you guys expect him to react? You, you told him this life-changing mm-hmm. information and then took away his father figure. Mm-hmm. And they're like, cool, cool, cool. We're also going to put you in, like, intense training so that you can be our savior. Right. I mean, yeah. anybody would have fled. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah, and, and don't apologize for it's it's a cartoon geared toward kids this age, like the age that Aang is. Mm-hmm. So I mean, when it came out, that was roughly the age we were. So now that we're rewatching it, it's the same like thinking back on how you would have reacted is exactly the kind of thing that we're we're looking for. Gives me so much anxiety yeah. just mm-hmm. thinking about it. And even even as an adult, you're like <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I'm good. Pass. <laughs> Hard <Okay>. pass. <laughs> like, like I don't want to be that sorry. Like, no, thank you. And so like at the same time you have this you have a young kid who's who's given all of this responsibility and he doesn't want it. No. He doesn't want anything to do with it. He wants to live his normal life. He has a good thing going with his monk. He's obviously advanced in his training. He's very skilled at what he's doing. He wants his friends. But he wants to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. He wants to still live in his experiences. He wants to, you know, he already doesn't really have a family mm-hmm. because he's a monk. Mm-hmm. But the only semblance of family he has is still going to be stripped from him. Mm-hmm. And I had a question at this point because Ang runs away. And Gyatso comes up at this point and is like, I am not going to let them take you away from me. So what was Gyatso going to do? He was going to run. I I was like, were they going to run or was he just going to stand his ground? Like, no, "No, y'all can't do this. That or like, would they have fled together? Where would they have fled to? Would he have tried to pursue Avatar training in some capacity? Or would he have just like spirited him away for a few years until he actually turned 16? Let him have his childhood. And then... Here's your responsibility. Is that like what 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 was Gyatso's plan? I think Gyatso knew that he needed to become the Avatar sooner right. than normal, mm-hmm. and it was always his intention. Like even when they were playing uh, Pai Show, he knew like he's had enough training for today. He wasn't going to cut him off. Right. The whole like he needed to train, but at the same time he needed some counterbalance. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think he would have been like, oh, okay, if they're not going to do it my way, you're just not going to become the Avatar for a few years. But there would have been a very, he would have gone about it a very different way. I right. think he would have done exactly what he was doing currently, just him and Aang. Mm-hmm. Like on the road. On the road. <laughs> he wouldn't have left him alone. Mm-hmm. I really don't think he would have. Because if I would be going based on like him being a father figure, he's too small to have left on his own. Mm-hmm. And he would have continued his training, but he would have done it in pieces. He wouldn't have, like, crash-coursed all of this information on him mm-hmm. and expected him to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I felt I feel 100% that he would have gone with him. Yeah, I, I think that's good. And who knows how things would have turned out. Katara does make the point that it's maybe meant to be the way things turned out that they did. Because, obviously, we saw in episode three what happened to that air temple. Aang's people did not last much past Aang's disappearance. And had he been there, he obviously wouldn't have been a full-fledged avatar yet. He might have been killed in the process. And who knows what would have happened, or maybe not even killed, maybe just captured, like the Fire Nation sort of intends at this point anyways. Yeah. Because they don't want to cause the regeneration into the next avatar. Yeah. They just want to keep him alive and away from everything as long as possible. Right. So it's sort of meant to be. It worked out. I should say that Aang wasn't there when things went down because he's able to be here now. And that's the point that Katara makes. And it eventually does sort of win Aang over and he understands and he does, he is able to sort of make a difference now immediately by rescuing Sokka and the fishermen from the storm. And there's this wonderful shot where after they have rescued Sokka and the fishermen 
and they're flying and all of a sudden here comes this giant wave and they're capsized. The imagery is identical to what we saw in the flashback. But the key difference here is that Aang isn't by himself anymore. Aang is with friends, with people he cares about and who care about him and who are trusting on him. And so when he activates the avatar state, then it's to rescue all of them, not to freeze himself in an iceberg for another hundred years. Right. Well, that's good. I really like that, that yeah. echoing of the imagery from the flashback to, to what we see here. And we do have the meeting where they actually come across each other, I think, twice, where Aang flies by the first time to get, uh, Zuko's to, ship. Yeah, it's a fine mm-hmm. to... And Zuko just sort of shakes him from his mind, like, okay, I'm, I'm saving the helmsman right now. There's other things that are more pressing right now. And then when they all seek refuge in the eye of the storm, there's like a back and forth, like, we're at a moment of peace right now. Don't expect <laughs> it to last forever. But right now... This is what needs to happen. And I, I really like that they have that moment. It's just a moment of peace as they're in the eye of the storm together. Yeah, I think there's some kind of additional imagery in the fact that they're, that we, in the episode with both of these characters that have literally had the same kind of stormy past mm-hmm. in the eye of the storm. Mm-hmm. Not past the storm. Not past the storm. Mm-hmm. It they're is not it. over. They're still in it. But they are in a point of change there is more to come but at this moment in time they've already gone through a gauntlet of sorts like they've Mm -hmm. already gone through something major and this kind of the the eye is always considered this midpoint imagery Mm -hmm. that there's still much more to come and it is not going to be easier than the past no and it may not even necessarily be harder than the past but it's going to be a storm nonetheless Mm -hmm. in order for them to, to get out. I agree. Now I don't really have any other like story points to talk about, but just a couple general takeaways. There's the, the idea that everyone has a struggle that you know nothing about. I think that's a great takeaway for kids in this episode Mm -hmm. and then making the most of now rather than linging on the could be's of the past. So Everybody walks away with something to learn here. Aang learns that he has to sort of let go of what could have happened and embrace what is happening now and what he can do now to help the people around him and help the people of the world. Zuko has to realize that there are more important things than pursuing the Avatar with every waking moment. There are people whose safety matters and who who he has a responsibility for as captain of a ship and as banished prince of the nation. Everybody has things that they walk away from this episode learned, and I think that. It's just another great learning episode for our characters and for kids. And that's sort of the point. I want to make yet another kind of mirror image of Zuko and Aang Mm -hmm. and how both of them have to learn from their past. For Zuko, it is very different than for Aang because Aang is making sure that he does not recreate his past. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, faced with the exact same situation. He handled it one way and he needs to make sure that he doesn't handle it that way ever again. Mm-hmm. For Zuko, his past is very different, and he now has to challenge both the authority presented to him and the authority within himself and figure out which is correct, which is a big deal to tell a teenager in the fact that whomever is telling you right and wrong may not know what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have your own authority to make that decision. So him learning from his past isn't necessarily making sure that he doesn't do what he did in the first place, because honestly he was correct Mm -hmm. and he needs to stick to that. 
And so what he's doing is he's learning that what I've been told, what's been drilled in my head ever since this happened, may not be the way to handle things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There are other people around me who depend on me. There are other people around me who need me to make the best decisions for those, you know, to make sure that we can see tomorrow Mm -hmm. that my needs don't outweigh those of those around me mm-hmm. in terms of pursuing the avatar or pursuing his own honor or own power. That isn't going to be necessarily paramount all the time. In fact, maybe something that he realized in the course of this episode was a better way to restore his honor is in finding these moments to win over the people around him. Yes. Ooh. He, he is not one over last minute to rescue this guy who's falling. It's not like he makes a last minute I'm going to jump and catch you at the last. No, he, he's the first one to climb the ladder to get to the helmsman to rescue him. Yeah. He, he, he realizes that that's his responsibility. And so that is doing more to bolster his honor than finding and capturing the avatar is. His people might rally behind him yeah, instead his, of his father. Affecting Maybe. his sphere of influence mm-hmm. is going to be more important than trying to get back into this sphere that he was in currently. Mm-hmm. He needs to build his own. Right. Not not go back. Right. And that's what I think I'm, I'm ultimately saying is that him learning from his past is a very different phrase than Aang learning from his past. Right. Because of how different their pasts are, because of how different they are as characters, granted they're coming to similar points, they both need to take the information that has been presented to them in the past, figure out what is right, and then act on it. Mm-hmm. And since Zuko wasn't given a great example, he needs to act on what he believes is correct. Mm-hmm. And Aang was given a good example and ran away from it. Right. And so he needs to act on what's correct. I agree on all points, on all fronts. So let's walk back just a little bit and let's talk about Melanie's predicting the future from do, last do, time. I know do, it's been do, a while do. since the, the predictions yeah, were actually made. I need to make a little more <laughs> a little more notes just in case this happens again. <laughs> Hopefully not. Uh, no, they're, sir. They're very sparked notes right now. Like There's literally eight, eight words written on this page <laughs> for like five different predictions. So. The only other reason why we would go on that much of a hiatus would be a baby. Okay. Yeah, we're, so we are far off from Hopefully that. this is just going to be the one time where we're just going to have to assume we understand what any of this means. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so your predictions were, for the storm was it was going to be a literal storm. Cool. We got we'll that. Check. check. Yes, you got it. Boom. Obstacle to Northern Water Temple. Son of a gun. No. Oh, oh, I was thinking that the storm itself itself because i the literal storm was going to thinking stop them was a literal storm from making their way to the northern water temple yeah that isn't not correct but it is also incorrect <laughs> <laughs> thank you for summing that up yeah. you're welcome <laughs> because yes we did go a whole episode without getting any closer to the northern water temple <laughs> however <clears throat> That was not why they didn't go to the Northern <laughs> right. Water Temple. So I'm just going to check minus on that one. Sure, whatever. It's good that you're not says, a teacher. Then it just says Zuko and Uncle. Well, they were there. So they are check. there. So I was thinking that this was probably going to be a, a really Zuko Uncle heavy episode. Yeah, to be fair, I think we did tease in hyping up this episode that it was a big episode. And so... Mm-hmm. Maybe you were just predicting that we would learn a lot about so both of them. Basically, the last 12 episodes, my prediction has been that we were going to figure out what the hell happened with Zuko. <laughs> well, and we, we made it. Eventually, you were going to be right. <laughs> and eventually, one of my predictions were going to be correct. Here we are. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Boom. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. And then it just says, <laughs> or Avatar Storm. 
and I don't know what that means. <laughs> Inner turmoil. And so, yes, there's the metaphorical storm. She got it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> we'll go Stop with Stop with your shifty eyes. I, just, I was right. I don't know what... I don't think that's what you meant by Avatar I Storm. That, I think that's what I meant. It's okay. The listeners know because they listened to the last episode. Oh, yeah. Y'all, y'all know. <laughs> oh, crap. Comment, y'all, comment or something so we, we can yeah. remember. Y'all, y'all don't tell me if I'm wrong, though. Just, just let me live me, in my and I just ignorant bliss. Oh, no. <laughs> so. Next episode. Yeah, next episode is titled The Blue Spirit. Okay. Yeah, not a lot going there. Why did they do this? What was the other one that was like? Jet. 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 <laughs> yes. It really pulled a bunch of crap. Okay, well, one, think about so. it. So, Jet, well, Jet's a bad example. The Great Divide was the episode before this one. And that ended up being both a literal and figurative divide. And then this episode was titled The Storm. And that one was both a literal and figurative storm. So you're saying go with the go with the pattern. Here. Possibly, I, I'm, I'm going to see a spirit. What would, what would be a physical spirit, and what would be a? <gasps> you know who was blue? You know who was blue? Who? Iroh. Iroh was blue. Iroh was blue. blue yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever he was like they they uh, hold on words. Oh, are you talking about in like when he saw the spirit dragon? Yeah, yeah. He was blue, y'all. Well, he, he saw the blue thing. Because he was captured by the Earth Nation at that point. He, he was, was on the back. He was, he was shackled. On the back of I swear a, he, of a they, like he was... No, Aang flew over on Roku's dragon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who was blue? Because Maybe that's what was, I'm thinking? Because he was a spirit dragon. Oh, okay, thanks, babe. That's okay. No, I'm just saying like, that the, the dragon wasn't necessarily blue. But it was depicted blue because it was in the, the spirit, spirit realm. World. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think we're going to go back to the spirit world. Okay. Spirit... Because they're blue there. Mm-hmm. And that, that's all I got, fam. Okay. Any idea what, why we would see a blue spirit and not any other color? Not particularly. Because I think that's just, it's pretty much because that's the only color we've seen. Okay. Uh, the, panda, the panda spirit was black and white. That's true. Mm-hmm. That stole Sokka. I'm going to have to like listen to our episodes again because I can't remember. Okay. Well, aside from the the title, is there anything based on like happenings in the story I mean, that you think we might see next? We we need to figure out how he's going to learn all these tasks. You know, how yeah. is this going to happen? All the other elements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mastering elements. I mean, we 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 have from solstice to solstice. Mm-hmm. We're eating up some time, and not winter solstice to winter solstice. No. <laughs> okay. Any any other just like general story predictions, like what we might see next? Um, no, I, I don't think so. Okay. I'm really not in with this love story for Katara and Aang, though. I don't, I don't want it. You don't want it? I don't well, want it. Okay. Hates Katara. <gasps> That's not it. I love her, but I just don't love them together. With Maybe, Aang. I don't know. Well, we don't even know if it's real. They're both, they're like 11 and 12 years old, so. Also, uh, yeah. Cool. We'll just have to wait and see. We'll just have to wait and see. Okay, everybody, so we're recording this after the fact to talk about some breaking news. It's not immediately after the breaking news. It's been a week or so, but something major to talk about. Nickelodeon has announced that they have created Avatar Studios, and the chief creative officers are going to be Mike and Brian, who created the show and created The Legend of Korra and all that stuff, which is huge news. 
because this comes after the news that they had departed the live action Netflix adaptation that is still in progress. As far as I know, Mm. Uh, there were some rumors about that recently too, that are really awful, but we're not going to talk about those right now because it's kind of a nightmare and they're not confirmed, but (laughs) Avatar Studios, do we have some immediate thoughts? Uh, yeah. Thank God. (laughs) I'm just excited to see what comes out of this because I know that they knew that they had a great thing with Avatar and they've obviously have a couple of companies playing out what else can come from the Avatar universe, Mm -hmm. but it's always been so slow. And I don't think they knew how big of a thing they had until, I mean, essentially it got on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, people had what were more aware of it and kind of like this new upspring because there was such a fertile ground in terms of sharing and the new social medias that are out. It compared to when we first saw it. Mm -hmm. Now we have, TikToks, I mean, Twitter is is still around, obviously, but the way that people are sharing things and getting really into the nitty gritty, I've seen so many TikTok accounts about people like delving into the ins and outs of, you know, certain characters and, Mm -hmm. you know, the avatar stages and things like that. And I think it's really cool. I mean, I gobble it up and I, and I don't know if the higher ups of any of these networking companies really knew how big of a fan base existed yeah. it just was kind of a sleeping giant and netflix woke it back up and thank god that nickelodeon still had enough rights to be like we're gonna go ahead and just <laughs> take this back well here's, <laughs> make it, make here's it the thing i i know y'all haven't watched legend of Korra yet andrew you've seen season one I, I, yeah, but, i've seen a little bit of it but legend of Korra was done dirty by nickelodeon i don't know mm. how much of this you know um i was just looking at some of it so i could give a little bit more accurate information on the third season, really, there's, there's four seasons of Legend of Korra. On the third season, after seven episodes, they put the rest of them up online. Oh. Like they, they stopped broadcasting it. Why did they and do then, that too? And then for season four, they, start, they didn't start with broadcasting it. They started with putting it online through Nick.com and Amazon Video and iTunes and Hulu. Mm-hmm. And eventually they started broadcasting it. But really, I mean, production was rushed. They didn't really know how much they were going to get at a time. Nickelodeon did the creators really dirty with Legend of Korra. And the reason that it didn't, it took so long for that show in particular to gain traction is because Nickelodeon didn't put their full power behind the vision of it. And so for them to completely reverse that position now and be like, okay, guys, sorry, you have your own studio now. You guys are in charge. Do what you want. that's 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 a really important thing and so i'm glad that they're seeing exactly how powerful an ip this is and Mm -hmm. that there can be such great things to come from it in the future and talking about what is coming from it they will produce content for platforms including paramount plus and nickelodeon Mm -hmm. as well as third-party platforms and theatrical releases in fact the first project set for the studios is an animated theatrical film that is set to start production later this year we don't know exactly what, what it's content, what it's yeah. going to cover, if it's going to be more of Aang and Friends or whether it's going to be Korra or whether it's going to be something completely different. Mm-hmm. We don't know yet, but mm-hmm. within the year, we're, they're going to start production on this animated movie coming from the studios. So we'll see what happens with the Netflix version of the show also and whether it actually ends up being good or not. But I, I have a lot of faith in the creators being back on board and bringing us new things in the Avatar universe. There's a there's hope at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> there is hope. Maybe maybe the Netflix thing won't be exactly what we would we would have liked, but mm-hmm. at the at in the end of the day, there's a whole new studio that's going to be producing Avatar content, and that's right. that's going to be great. And it's from the original people too. Perfect. Perfect. Even better. 
So we just wanted to fit that into this episode so you could hear some of our thoughts on what's coming next in the Avatar universe. So with that, we are going to go ahead and close it. That is the end of the 11th episode of Crossroads of Destiny. Thank you all for being patient. Again, uh, here are the places where you can find us and interact with us and hopefully tell us that you're glad that we're back. Uh, you can <laughs> just, find us <laughs> facebook.com slash xroadspod and at xroadspod on Twitter. Please, 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 we would love if you went over to Apple Podcasts and left a rating and a review. That's a great way to let other people know that we're back too and help us rise in the podcast charts. If you have any long-form feedback, you can email us, xroadspod at gmail.com. And don't forget that you can also leave us a voicemail, and we would love to have a voicemail from you. You can call 3145-YIP-YIP. That is 314-594-7947. Try and keep it around a minute or less, and we might, keep, we might include it on the show. So far, we've only gotten the one voicemail, and we were grateful for it. We'd love to get a lot more now that we're back. Yeah. So where can we find you online, Melanie? Let's do Instagram. It's MelanieAmanda44. Okay, Andrew, you can find through Melanie, through Melanie, through Chad, through the the X Roads Pod Twitter account. He doesn't exist other than trolling no, on people. I just, yeah, no, that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. So to find me, to find Andrew on Twitter, you can find at <laughs> uh, Chadadada on Twitter. That's my personal account. C H A D A D A D A. My other shows are the Cinescope Podcast, which is about to post its. Or as of the time this has been released, the 100th episode of Cinescope has been posted. <gasps> that's that's five years in the making, just about. What, so, what? Uh, super exciting stuff there. Um, you can find it on Twitter at Cinescope Pod and thecinescopepodcast.com. There's my other TV show podcast where we talked about every episode of The Office, and that's called An American Workplace. And you can find that at Workplace Pod on Twitter and WorkplacePodcast.com. And show notes and contact information for this show can be found at xroadspod.com. And that is it, everybody. Thank you so much for being patient, for being enthusiastic, we hope. And we hope to hear <laughs> from you before we talk about Book One, Chapter 12, The Blue Spirit in Episode 12. Bye. Bye. You want to know how I got these cars? No. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to cut that. <laughs> um.